Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, July 30th, 2019, and we have just one trading day remaining in July, and that's a fact. And so is this. There are a lot of variables at play in the marketplace, or always is. So you're going to need unbiased guidance and help. You will become better and better and better over the years, but everybody needs help. And that's because you've got... And if you're looking for the help, looking for it, you've came to the right place. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you also call me with all your interesting investing questions. And when you do call, you, of course, shape the show in any direction you want to take it. The advantage is yours. Remember, our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve the financial freedom we all desire. And that means we want to make you a better investor. You know, even if the investor is very conservative, it doesn't matter to be better at whatever type of investor you are. And everybody is an investor, even if you're investing in cash and you don't want to even be a part of the market. You're still investing. I mean, it's a poor return, but you're still investing that cash. So if you're saving money, you're investing in something. You really are. Today, in this hour, we're going to talk about the best... We're going to talk about a variety of topics that usually I pick, right? You know I do. I pick number of the day every day, and sometimes I don't get to them. But the whole idea is to educate and drive us all to that goal of financial freedom, including myself, by the way. I'm not excluding myself. How do you think I learned to do all this? I learned to do all this by reading everything I get my hands on. And you, you learn what you're reading. You start to understand it. So we also do this by and this hour by phone calls, your phone calls, asking questions. Asking questions is how everybody learns. Now, tomorrow, I'll be in San Jose, meeting with a bunch of listeners. But if you live anywhere in New York, in the New York area, the metropolitan area, we can work together in September. I'll be there. I'll be there to look at people's portfolios, talk about their investments, Anything financial, we'll sit down and talk about. I'm coming to Manhattan September 19th and the 20th. I have two days now instead of just one. So I'm eating into my vacation because I was going to stay. I'm staying there till Monday, but I wanted to take in some sights in the city. I remember I, I my first real job was in Manhattan. Worked for an insurance company in Wall Street area, uh, right out of college. So I'm I haven't been there in a number of years. I'm kind of looking forward to the visit. I really am. So, these would be portfolio, no cost, no obligation portfolio reviews, but you have to register. You have to set up a time because my time is limited. And to do that, you go to investtalk.com and you'll hold a spot for yourself. My main talking point today concerns this bold claim by a pretty famous economist, why the Fed is no longer relevant. His theory is this. 
As the Federal Reserve considers lowering interest rate, it risks falling victim to its own dominance. What does that mean? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll go over it. I also want to talk about certain things. I want to talk about Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat. Not necessarily about the stock itself, but why it moved and has been moving like it is. Okay? Why? Why is it so done so well? Why did it get beat up so bad today, even though, relatively speaking, it's not that bad? So we're going to talk about that. Talk about there was a new report on consumer spending for June. We'll discuss that. And to to survive the next bear market, no matter how good your strategy is, how are you going to do that? How should you do that? The next bear market, whenever it comes, it will come. They always do. Just like bull markets always come. So how are you going to? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to do nothing? You're going to. How do you react? What should you do? And it's a hard question to answer. It really is. We'll talk about that in more detail. And I don't think I ever got to where expats go, the top 10 countries. Did I get to that last week? I don't remember talking about that, but maybe I did. I might go over it real fast just as a reminder. That's what we're going to discuss today, everybody. So whatever's on your mind will drive the show, but these are things I'm going to bring up during the day. The market was down, nothing major. The Dow was down 23, the Nasdaq down 20, and the S&P down 8. The market is struggling, but it's struggling with a breakout. It's not struggling with total weakness. It's struggling with the strength. In other words, it's crawling up a wall of worry, but not all, part, all parts of the market are breaking out. Not all. Matter of fact, there's big sections that are really having trouble. So maybe we can get into that today, too. So that's what we plan. But now let's take a question from our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Jim in San Diego. I'm a longtime listener. I noticed my mutual fund, NAV, declines every time I get paid a capital gain. I understand why this happens when we get a dividend, but can you help me understand why this happens for a capital gain? seems we are getting a capital gain, but then it is being taken away. If you can explain or direct me to an article or someplace where I could help, it would help me understand this, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for all you do. Yeah, there's no mystery. It's pretty simple. So, you know, in a mutual fund, they buy a stock and they sell it the same stock and they have a gain. And, of course, you get, if, as an owner of the mutual fund, you get your share of that gain. They pay that gain. The, the, the game is paid, but, in other words, it's added to, it's your gain in your portfolio. But you got to pay taxes on it when they take the gain. If they held on to it and didn't sell it and didn't take the gain, there would be no tax consequences. But if they sell it and take the gain and realize it, called we realize the gain, then someone's got to pay the capital gains tax. Well, you do, because you got the benefit of the gain, so you have to pay taxes. That's why the NAV of your of your mutual fund goes down, because a, you know a penny, two pennies, a nickel, whatever it is, however much gains they took, you have to pay the taxes on it. That's all it is. Nothing mystery, nothing you know s- s- surprising or unusual. It's just the fact that you got to pay the tax. Okay. Good question, though. I mean, think about that. How would you know that unless you ask that question? I mean, 
It's very frustrating. Some of the things that seem so simple, but you still have to know. You have to know it. Someone's got to tell you someday. So, you listen to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and while no one can always predict or even predict the market reliably any at any time or accurately, there's one thing I, we can say with certainty. If you are serious about achieving financial freedom, you have got to be prepared for market volatility. That is why you need to make sure your portfolio is strategically balanced. You understand what it will do in a bear market, what it will do in a bull market. You have to understand why it's reacting the way it is. It'll help you greatly. So do it yourself or let Justin and me help you. You can contact us our KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California with an email. Just send me an email. We'll answer your questions and help you out as best we can. And I'm taking your questions live right now on the radio, 888-99-CHART. This is Talk, And now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve is here. He's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So here's, let's go, go, through, go through some numbers today. Oil is at $57 a barrel. It hasn't really moved much up 55 to 60, low 60s, mid 50s, low 60s and for the last year. Gold is at $1,441 an ounce. Been moving up all year, but slowly. The 10-year Treasury yield is at 2.05, and it's been a bit over 2 for a while, too. So nothing major, no big changes. The Federal Reserve had its first day meeting today, and it's a two-day meeting, so we'll have it again tomorrow. Tomorrow they'll release their results. So how much do you think the Fed cut in interest rates is going to be? How do you think it's going to affect the market? Everybody expects a quarter-point cut, and that's probably built, built into everything. Everybody knows that. There are a few people, a few uh Pundits suggesting it might be half a point, but I don't think so. I, I think it's a big quarter point. And the real question is, is why are they even lowering a quarter point? They don't have to. There's no fundamental reason for them to do it. There really isn't. I think they should, mind you. I think they should, in anticipation of, uh, of a slowdown in our economy, mainly because of the rest of the world. They may drag us down. You know, we're doing pretty good ourselves, but the rest of the world is not. So what would a rate cut do to the stock market? What would it do to you? Would it affect you financially at all? Well, (laughs) Bankrate.com says that a single quarter point reduction would reduce the average credit card holder payment by about a dollar per month. Not much. Just not. How about this? What's in your wallet? Is there a Capital One credit card there? I'm sure you heard. Maybe you didn't because you're at work all day. But Capital One Financial Corporation was trading lower by about 6% today, this morning anyways, to about $90 a share. On reaction to a massive data breach, another one. Uh, don't aren't you getting tired of hearing these one after another? Uh, you know, coming from different banks or credit agencies, all these massive data breaches. Don't I'm getting quite concerned that they can't prevent this. 
So the company disclosed that it suffered a data breach impacting 100 million people in the United States. 100 million of us, 6 million in Canada. They said that, that the data breach was between 2005 and 2019. They said they said that the consumers that applied for credit cards are the ones who got breached during that period. <sighs> Doesn't that make you frustrated? I mean, think about it. You're, you can be as careful as you want, but if other people are not being careful as you are, you're still going to get hacked. Just very des- depressing to me. It's depressing. Anyways, by the way, at the same time, about 140,000 Social Security numbers were exposed and 80,000 bank account numbers were exposed, plus a million Canadian social insurance numbers were exposed in this data breach. Great. That's just great. Facebook has taken a beating from Congress past few days. We saw the big fine they had, billions of dollars of fine they had a few couple, three weeks ago. But Facebook plans to introduce a cryptocurrency named Libra. Libra. Lawmakers were up in arms this morning about whether Libra would be a haven for money launderers and other criminal activities. Facebook, though, says Libra could be a viable tool for law enforcement partly because the vast amounts of information that will be generated about its users. Remember, if it's a cryptocurrency, they're going to track where it's coming from and where it's going. You can track that currency all the way back to its invention, its beginning, its onset. So you know exactly who's got what money where. That's a lot better than cash. Cash can go to anybody. No one knows where it is. So I'm, I'm agreeing with them on this. What will be interesting, though, doesn't this take away some of the uh, a, a cryptocurrency if it becomes widespread in use? Take away some of the uh, impact of the Federal Reserve? Maybe that's a good thing. Remember, the Federal Reserve raises lower interest rates. They're meeting now, as I said before. What if you know? What if we don't use uh, dollars? We use cryptocurrencies. They don't have any no say so over that. No control. Interesting stuff and that's happening there. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while. You have if you have, you've heard me say that I believe that every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. And the first step in doing that, figuring that out, would be to go to our Riskalyze questionnaire. You wanted to find your rest your investment comfort zone, everybody. So go to investtalk.com, 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk. And now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. So Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose tomorrow. And then again on August 29th. Steve is here. He's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Time to ask your investing questions. Anything financial, we'll talk about. Anything financial. So step up, call the number. 888-99-CHART. Main talking point. Here's why the Fed is no longer relevant. By Peter uh, Morrissey. And Morrissey. Maybe Peter Morrissey. Anyways, um, the Fed controls interest rate. It only controls one rate. That's the overnight rate. 
it lends to banks. The money it lends to banks, it charges the banks a fee. Okay? And the idea is when the Federal Reserve charges them more a fee, the banks will borrow less money, so therefore there'll be less money in the system. If the Federal Reserve lowers the the fee that they charge them, the federal the banks will borrow more money and they will put more money in the system, thus growing the economy. That's the premise behind that. Problem with that is the Federal Reserve is supposed to also try to control inflation. And the problem with that is we don't have any. We haven't had any in a long time. They don't have to worry about inflation. Inflation is not an issue. Okay? Uh, hasn't been an issue for us for years. And it's still not. They reported inflation numbers out this morning and it was nothing. They, their target is 2% and it was 1.4% annual. 2% annual target and it's one4 Went down a tick in this most recent month. So there's no issue about inflation. So what do we need with the Federal Reserve? That's part of the thinking. And interest rates have been so low for so long that it kind of tells you that maybe the Federal Reserve has no no power, no ability to affect anything. Now, that's not true. That's It does. And I think just because in recent 10 years or so, you know, it's been doing, you know, there has been have very little effect. Think about the lack of the effect when they lowered rates to zero and it really didn't boost the economy much. Remember? We had a deep recession, trying to get out of the recession, and lowering interest rates really didn't do that much to boost the economy. What did boost the economy, what was the best thing to do, was all uh, was about spending money by the government and the government cutting taxes to boost even more recent in the recent last couple of years, reducing the uh, uh, regulation. All that has nothing to do with the Fed. And that was much more impactful than the Fed raising and lowering interest rates. So that's what this article is kind of touching on. And then the more we get into cryptocurrency, the less anything the Fed does will have as an impact. So that's the thinking out there. You can ask me a question about that, or maybe you have a different thought. Anyways, here's another question that came in early on our Anytime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART is the number. Hi, this is Joe. My uh, quick question. My parents, they uh, invested about $100,000 through a broker, and they're in a couple uh, mutual funds and ETFs. I started listening to the show because I figured I need to learn a little bit. They don't know what they're doing. And I've been watching the company. The ticker symbol is MMLP. They've got about 10% or so of their portfolio in this stock. And uh, it, it doesn't look like it's doing so well. I'm just calling to get your thoughts. Thank you. I'll listen for the answer on the show. Bye. Yeah, you need to you need to think about this carefully. They do what what they're invested in. This is a MMLP is Martin Midstream Partner Limited Partnership. Uh, ML, MMLP engaged in gathering, transferring, terminating, and storage of natural gas and petroleum products. Now, as a partnership, there's different tax treatments. You got to figure out. You're gonna, your parents are going to pay tax treatment, and you know, it shows a 17% dividend yield. 
It's a $5.89 stock. They're going to make $0.45 cents this year, allegedly $0.72 cents next year. Well, 17%, uh, you know, is a pretty big, pretty big percentage. So 10% be five eighths, uh, 58 cents, a dollar, dollar sixteen. Yeah. See, I, I'm not, I, there, if that, that 17%, it's going to be a, what, a dollar a share on a $5.89 stock. And they're only making 72 cents. This next year, that's the big up from this year. They're going to make 45 cents. How can they pay that much money when they don't make that kind of money? Okay, uh, they do it by borrowing money and paying you some of the money out. And they have they have big debt. They can do it by issuing more shares and then taking that money and pay it back to shareholders in the form of a dividend. But then it, you're diluted. This is a not this is this is a risky thing for them to do. I I wouldn't I wouldn't invest in it at this time. I would not. So I think it's too risky. And 10%? No way do you put 10% of your portfolio in something like this. Maybe 3%, but even then I still wouldn't do it. Because there's no way it's a you can sell it by convincing people they're paying, ooh, it's paying a really high dividend. But be very careful. On tomorrow's Invest Talk, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos will be talking about him. Okay? And we have a new market trivia question. What's important what important investor investor event occurred on March 8th, 1817, just over 202 years ago. I don't think too many people will remember that. <laughs> so give me a call. I'll give the answer after the break. 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? Ycharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. Ycharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use Ycharts every day. Ycharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. Ycharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bluebird Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious, get YCharts. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve 
financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I asked this market trivia question. What important investor event occurred March 8th, 1817? That's just over 202 years ago. And you probably could guess at some things that happened back then. But the real answer is, way back on March 8th, 1817, the New York Stock Exchange was officially formed. And today, the New York Stock Exchange is huge. It's $16 trillion big, right? It's the biggest stock exchange in the world by market capitalization. And every day, six to seven million trades are take place every day. In the early days, before it became an organized entity, they traded stocks in a coffee shop. Much more humble. They go back. So it was a coffee. 24 New York City uh, brokers met and trade at a coffee house. Of course, those days, investing was fairly straightforward. There were only five securities, and mostly they were bonds listed from the headquarters of the coffee shop. <laughs> five. Most of them were bonds. So three, at least three out of the five were bonds. And that was what's traded. Those were the trades. <laughs> They then eventually moved out, and they moved to uh, they moved the New York Stock Exchange board, set up a bunch of rules and constitution, and they moved to Forty Wall Street, rented rooms at Forty Wall Street. Kind of interesting, huh? Every now and then we get a question that will appeal to a wide variety of investors, and we really like that that kind of appeal. Here comes a question about where best to invest from eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Rob from Chicago. Big fan of your show. Phenomenal information that I couldn't thank you guys enough. Just looking now, I love stock world and learning more. And uh, I came across, well, I guess I should say, we have a, have a savings account with my wife that was on uh, a few-month period to gain a large interest. And now it's open and available that we have to use about $15,000 that as a seasonal worker, as a photographer, usually we save money so that the winter time we can then dip into it when it's a slower month. So right now, obviously, it's not being touched and not needed, but over you know the next few months, maybe next quarter or two, we'll probably have to use some of that. I was looking at potentially putting it into a dividend play like AT&T, Verizon, something like that where you know, it's always fluid and kind of a blue chip, but we can get some 7%, you know, with AT&T interest out of that from the dividend in the quarter. Or if you think you have uh, other ideas or better um, moves as far as possibly any kind of funds that I don't know about, I'm all ears. But just looking forward to your answer to see if there's a, a better option out there. Thanks so much, guys. Okay, that yeah, this is the issue I have with that. You're, the thinking is okay about what to invest in, but it's money that you need. Um, I don't like investing in stocks with money you're going to need in the short term within a year. You know, even investing in stocks within two or three years, that money is, you're putting it at risk. Yeah, AT&T is a big blue chip company. They're not going anywhere and they're going to pay that dividend. Right now the dividend is uh, 6%. And they're going to pay it. They've always have. And the stock itself is fairly inexpensive. And all those things are right. Okay, they are right for AT&T. But it's still a stock. What happens if 
uh, God forbid, some huge disaster and all stocks get killed in a big, huge uh, a pullback, a bear market within the next couple of months. And right at the time that you need that money, you're going to have to sell at the very bottom of that stock price. When if you waited a little while, it would come back, but you may not be able to wait. So don't want your hand to be forced in buying stocks. You don't want to have to sell. So I would be very, very careful. Now, if you want another idea I'd, that you won't make as much, but you can use ultra-short bond funds. I do have a short list of those. If you want them, send me an email and I'll send it to you. But ultra-short bond funds are much more predictable. And in a disaster of any kind, what will happen is interest rates will fall, like the Fed's pushing rates down probably tomorrow. Uh, that means the value goes up, but at least you get the return. An ultra-short bond fund, you'll get that return. It's like, you know, whatever they're paying, you know, and I, they're paying 2 3% right now. But it's a liquid, and it, it probably won't move down. Won't move up really much. Probably won't move down because the bonds are so short. They're like one week to three months or less than three months on average. So very, very liquid. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in our 4 o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. It's also available 24 hours a day, seven days a week via archive podcast at investtalk.com. And please try to be here every Friday. That is when I share in you know the highlights from our KPP Premium Newsletter that you can buy. It's a subscription. goes out every Friday. And now the lines are open. We are taking your financial or investing questions, either or. We're live, 888-99-CHART. This is Talk, And now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. So Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose tomorrow. And then again on August 29th. It's your chance to benefit from his no-cost, personalized portfolio reviews. Then, on September 19th and 20th, Steve will be in New York City to conduct a new round of complimentary portfolio reviews. His appointments fill up fast, so if you live anywhere in the New York area, register now at investtalk.com. Steve is here. He's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Jim from Indiana was calling you today to find out what the possible effect of Fed action will be on the price of gold miners. I know that gold mining has been a topic of discussion on the show lately and that GDX has been pretty popular to, to get into for a little bit now. So just wondering what effect that might have on it. Thanks so much. Look forward to hearing your answer. Well, normally when the Federal Reserve lowers interest rates, they're trying to spark the economy. I mean, that's what the effort is all about, right? And in that effort to spark the economy, usually the dollar would go up in value, up. And if the dollar goes up, gold goes down. You have to, you know, you have to eventually understand these relationships. So the Fed is going to raise rates or lower the rates tomorrow. That should be negative for gold, but everybody already knows that's what the Fed's going to do. So it probably won't react because we already know it. it's already built in. We already know. Okay, we know they're going to lower rates probably by a quarter point. 
Okay, now the question is, is that what's going? What are they going to say? If you note, the dollar has been increasing; it's gotten stronger, which would be a normal reaction to a to a lowering interest rates. And as you look at that, you can look at the dollar on a chart with UUP, if you, and that's the symbol for ETF for a dollar. And if you look at gold, GDX, which is the ETF for gold miners, you'll note that it has moved up and just moved sideways for the last couple of weeks. But generally for this whole year, it's moved up. And so is the dollar. Now, we talked about this last week. I said, so why is the dollar going up and gold going up? Because that usually doesn't work that way. They go in opposite directions. So what else drives gold? Well, there's three main things. Dollar, where it goes up or down. If it goes down, gold goes up. If the dollar goes up, gold goes down. That's what one. Inflation. If we have a lot of inflation, gold goes up. No inflation, gold goes down. And fear. If there's a lot of fear, gold goes up, and if there's no fear, gold goes down. The gold has gone up. We have no inflation, and dollars gotten stronger. So what's left? Fear. What are people fearful of? They're fearful of something because people are attracted to gold. Maybe the world economy is slowing down and going into recession. Maybe that's what they fear. Not us here. Just that's that's just a supposition on my part. Anyways, good question. Appreciate the call. Really appreciate the question. 888-99-CHART. Uh, Beyond Meat has done great, right? Uh, they came out with their earnings. Their sales were four times four times that they were a year ago, year on year. In the second quarter, what they just reported, they lost $9.4 million or 24 cents a share, or a total of $67 million. They expected to only lose nine cents a share but they lost $0.24 cents a share. But that really wasn't what drove the stock down today. The stock fell about 14% or so when I wrote this up. Um, what happens is the CEO announced a stock, a second stock offering. Now, what would that mean? That means it dilutes everybody else, dilutes their earnings per share. They're diluting you. They offered a second 3.25 million shares more out there. That diluted the company, and it uh, scared the investors because now their, their per share value or per share earnings per share and sales per share all go down because there's a lot more shares. That doesn't mean anything that bad about the company other than it diluted the shareholders, and they did not like that. And that's why the stock fell sharply today. So, we'll see. I think it fell, I think it was eight, eight, what, how much did it go down today? I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, 14, 15%. Pretty, pretty big drop. Of course, if you bought it, the darn stock is what? Up hundreds of percent <laughs> when it was IPO, since it's IPO, which is very unusual. Now here comes another great question. Our listener, our listener Ben from New York wants to answer. So let's hear. Hey guys, Ben from New York here, huge fan of the podcast. Uh, I have a short and kind of embarrassing question that I hope you can help me with. So um, I was asked, a couple weekends ago by uh, my brother-in-law, uh, we were talking about investing, and he said, hey, are you beating the market? That's it. Very simple-sounding question. And um, 
I didn't know the answer. <laughs> um, I, I dollar cost average. Uh, my wife and I invest every single month. We use a robo investor, so we're primarily um, uh, getting ETFs, um, you know, buying indexes, and we just kind of come rain or shine. We always do it. We don't even really follow what's going on. We just always do it. But nonetheless, if somebody asks me that, are you being the market? What do they mean? Like, what is the market number that I would be trying to beat? How do I know that? How do I figure it out? How do I answer that question? Hopefully, you can help me. Thanks so much. I'm learning a lot. Okay. That's a very good question, and maybe a lot of people need to answer. Don't ever be embarrassed about questions. Beating the market. When someone talks about the market, most of the time they're talking about the S&P 500 because the S&P 500 represents 80% of the market. The problem with that is that that's, that S&P 500 is 500 of the largest companies. What about the rest of the 8,000, 9,000 companies? Well, there is a, an index for the entire market. There's also an index for small companies. There's an index for the Dow Jones 30, which is only 30 companies. Represents about 20% of the market. 30 really big companies, but it's not very much. Uh, The NASDAQ, which index? It's an index that they're talking about. Well, you're beating the market. When most people refer to an S&P 500, and the chances of you beating the market in mutual funds is slim. Slim. Why? 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 Well, because remember, the market is an index, so it just adds up all the stocks and it takes an average and boom. Where in a mutual fund, you have a manager you're paying some fee to. They might have 10% of their mutual fund, 5%, 10% in cash. You know, maybe they're, uh, um, the mutual fund that you're in is not even attempting to match the market. Maybe it is half bonds, half stock because they don't want that. It's less risky. Maybe it's a very high growth, high risk mutual fund and easily beats the S&P 500, but may not beat its index that it should track might be the NASDAQ 100. So it's hard to answer the question, but. When someone asks you, are you beating the market, it's usually S&P 500, the performance of the S&P 500, are you beating it? And over recent 10, 15 years, you're on average is about 8% a year. Okay, so, you know, you add in and you add in the, um, the dividends and you might get up to 10% per year. Now, it's not every year goes up. Remember, in 2008, it went down 50% in one year. So, it's volatile. Now, when they say be the market, the market goes down, that means you did you go down with the market or less? If you went down less, then you're beating the market, right? So, it depends on your risk. If you're in the mutual funds and the 401k and you're just investing dollar cost averaging, you'll do fine. You may not beat the market. You may beat the market. Depends on what mutual funds you're in. But it's much more difficult for mutual funds to beat the market because the market has no costs. Okay, good question though. Another, some good questions, I think. Consumer spending is telling us something. It's up three-tenths percent in June, which matched forecasts. Uh, but they did spend less money in the most recent month, June, than they did the three months prior. So you look at it and say, well, they've spent less money on average. What's the deal? Well, why? Because they saved more money. The savings rate went up. Not because they didn't have it. So you got to understand what happens there. So they didn't. So they spend less money because they save more money, which is a good thing. Don't think it's bad. It's not. 
And also, inflation was at 1.4%. The Fed wants 2%, so there's no problem with inflation. But the consumer spending, kind of interesting because it also the same report you have uh, in consumer income that has gone up consistently month after month for a number of months now in a row. And that's good. That's good. And you add that, combine that with the jobs report. By the way, we'll get the official jobs report Friday or June. Um, you know, you know, our economy is doing well, doing well. Full employment. I remember many years ago, full employment was four and a half percent unemployment. That was full employment. Now, now, was it less now? This is a, this is a talk. I'm Steve Peasley. Our number is eight 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 ninety nine chart. On the next Invest Talk, Amazon's CEO Jeff Bezos has used the same Wall Street message for 22 years. What has he consistently told investors? That story tomorrow. But now, Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888 99Chart. Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. I was just curious there's a new stock out there um, called Frasia PHR is a stock symbol. Um, and I was just wondering your thoughts on that, being a new technology company in the medical field. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Okay. Fraser, Fraser Inc., PHR, provides registration, appointment scheduling, clinical support solutions for healthcare providers. It's a brand-new IPO. I mean, we're talking about a company that's been just came out this in this month in July. So it's super brand new. Remember what I said about brand new companies? Don't don't even think about them until at least six months because that's when the insiders can finally sell their stock. That's one of the reasons why Beyond Meat fell so hard today. It wasn't six months yet, but they issued those shares because to, to free up money, and I won't get into that. Anyways, um, they don't they won't make money this year, but they will make two cents a share next year to twenty-seven dollars stock. Twenty-seven dollars and twenty-seven cents. It is a almost a billion dollar company. They're selling a hundred million dollars a year and it's a billion dollar company, twenty-five million dollars a quarter. Um, uh, it's pr- way overpriced. It's way overpriced. I would stay away from it. Uh, it, it is good that it's scheduled to make money next year. And I don't have a lot of other information because it's so new. You know, right now, it's just difficult to try to evaluate these things. But being new means you need to be cautious, very cautious. And I would wait. You want more information. PHR is a symbol. PHR. Okay. Talk about surviving the bear market. There will be a bear market. We have it now. It looks like we're crawling up a bear, a, a wall of worry, and it's a bull market. But I find the, that interesting that the Russell 2000, which is the small cap companies, are nowhere near reaching new highs, where the S&P has breached its new highs. And it, the Dow has breached its new highs. So they're struggling now at, at that breach point, but they still breached it. So how do you survive it? One way is to completely ignore it. Just keep investing. That's one way, especially in the 401ks out there. No one knows. You can completely ignore it. If you don't know how to 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 uh, trade, don't even think about it on your 401k. It's very difficult. Um, it, it, the bear market will come. 
you need to sell in the bull market to prepare for the bear market. So your your thinking should be now taking some profits off the table, having some cash because the market is at a high. Can it keep going up? Certainly. And you take a little bit more money off the table. If it keeps going up, you take a little bit more. No one knows where it is. You can do that. That's the that's the way another way to do it. Or you can leave it alone. Guessing the top and guessing the bottom is impossible. All you can do is recognize the market's very undervalued, the market's overvalued. The market has rallied a long time, therefore it's probably too time to not rally. I mean, that's the kinds of things you can come up with. And you can look at technical, a lot of technical indicators out there to help you make these decisions. And there's nothing wrong with that, And but never get completely out of the market. Never. It's, it's a total waste. You don't know where the top is. No one knows. And many times people are wrong. Experts are wrong lots of the times. So don't don't get too caught up in that. Okay? There's always, you know, it all depends on how much risk you're willing to take, how comfortable you are with the market. And a lot of people are not comfortable. I mean, that's okay. You don't have to be comfortable. Okay, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4. It looks like we're going to be out of time here shortly. I did want to go over a quick list. I don't know if I did it last week. Uh, expatriates leaving the country, the 10 top countries that United States citizens go to. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Canada is number one. When they want to retire, they go to Canada, 69, 70,000 people. Japan is number two, and Mexico is number three, which I think really is amazing that Japan was number two. People re- leaving the country and going to retire in Japan? Number two? Why? And I, that I don't know. I would like to know why. I can understand Canada. It's close by. Speak, they speak English. Or society is the same, and it might be a little cheaper, but. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. And thank you for your loyal support and all your questions. I'll be in San Jose tomorrow meeting with listeners. So Justin Klein will be here in my place. I'll be back Thursday, though, and Friday, of course. And please tell your investing friends and everybody else about the show. I'll be in New York September 19th and 20th, so please register to meet with me there. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.